0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church, Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Well, good morning. Welcome to our All-Age service, our family service today, our Easter service. Great to see you. If you're visiting, welcome. You're enjoying the wonderful Whitstable sunshine and uh, we're just so glad to have you with us today. We're going to take some time to explore the Easter service. I've got some films to help me. And we're going to go upstream a little bit and just see what was happening in the life of Jesus before he went to the cross. So you need to pay close attention to the screens because there will be questions. No scoring, just questions. Okay, so, um, so I want to just show you a very, very short video just of what was happening in the life of Jesus a few days before uh, the cross. <laughs> Okay, short it was. Anybody know what's happening there? He's riding into Jerusalem. Okay, look, you lot can just be quiet in the front row, okay? <laughs> Anybody else know what's happening there? What's happening? Um, he's, coming he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, okay. donkey. yeah. <coughs> and what's happening with all these palm branches? Yeah, they made a carpet of branches, they made a carpet of cloaks, and they waved palm leaves... And they shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! The king is coming! The king is coming! They were looking to Jesus to be this king, this coming king, to actually, well, free them from all the oppression they were struggling with. The Romans were there occupying that city, and they saw Jesus as a coming victorious king. And he rode in on this donkey, and they waved their palm leaves. And that's why sometimes that's called Palm Sunday. Sunday. That's where that comes from. So they waved their palm leaves, and they welcomed him. So he had a lot of attention. The crowds were gathered there were people from all over the area coming to Jerusalem to celebrate a special meal called Passover. And they saw Jesus coming in, and they, they recognised that this was a special man. Perhaps he was the Messiah, the chosen one, who was going to come and deliver them from all their troubles. But you know what? The religious leaders would have seen this as well, and they would have not been happy. Jesus was attracting far too much attention. And at this point, they began to plot to kill him, because they were not happy with all that was happening in the life of Jesus. So let's pick up the next part. Okay, what colour was the t-shirt? No, I'm not going to ask that question. (laughs) Okay, so something's happening here. What's happening here? Very good. Yeah, so, so basically they're sharing a Passover meal together. It was a special meal the Jews celebrated every year and it was to celebrate and remember that God had delivered them from Egypt under oppression with Pharaoh. And they had these different elements. They had bread and they had wine and they had different foods there. And Jesus said, these, these elements, these bits of food and drink are going to take on a new significance because of what's going to happen to me. And he took the bread and he said, what? He said, this is, my, this is my body and my body is going to be broken. Just like this bread is broken and shared out, my body is going to be broken for you. My body is going to be broken on your behalf for you. And then he took the wine and said, this is my blood. blood." An odd thing to say, wasn't it? This is my blood. And my blood's going to be shed for you. And so my body and my blood are going to be shed for you. And you can imagine how confused the disciples must have been. And then to make matters worse, Jesus said, one of you in here, one of my friends at this table, is going to betray me. And I'll go, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And it was Judas. Judas was there and somehow evil had come into his heart. And he's decided that what Jesus was doing was not what he expected Jesus to do. So he went off and he spoke to the, uh, the temple leader and said, I know where Jesus is, I know who he is, I can <coughs> lead you to him, I can get him arrested for you. So we're going to share a Passover meal at the end of this service. We don't call it Passover anymore, we call it communion. And we take the bread and we take the wine and we celebrate the same meal that Jesus shared on the night before he went to the cross. And that's where communion comes from. It's linked directly to the Passover meal that's shared every year by the Jewish people. But now when we share this meal together, it takes on a new significance because now we celebrate the resurrection life of Jesus. So this is where we are in the story so far. Jesus is sharing this meal with his friends. uh, And things are going to go bad from this point for him. But before we get into the next part of the story... I want you to turn and welcome someone close to you, particularly if you don't know them this morning, say hi, and we'll get back into the story in a few moments. So welcome someone close to you, turn and say hi, and we'll get back in a few moments. Okay, so in our story, we left Jesus at the Passover meal, sharing that special meal with his disciples, them fearing what was going to happen next. Judas had fled off into the night, looking for a way to betray Jesus to the authorities. So let's watch the next video and see what happens. So Jesus knows what's going to happen. He goes to a garden, a garden gets Gethsemane to pray. Pray for strength for what he's going to face. His disciples go with him, but what do they do? They fall asleep. And while they should be watching and praying, actually what they do is they're just so fatigued they fall asleep. So Jesus is literally on his own, facing his greatest hour of need. And then who should turn up but Judas. Judas has brought the authorities and he comes to Jesus and he kisses him. He betrays him with a kiss and said, this is the one you need to arrest. And Jesus doesn't fight, he doesn't struggle, he just goes off to the authorities and he's taken before the Jewish authorities, a Jewish court called the Sanhedrin. His crime is blasphemy. They say that he said he was God and that was a crime punishable by death. But the Romans didn't let the Sanhedrin kill people. They, They couldn't have capital punishment. So they needed an ally, they needed someone who was going to take this all the way. And so they went and they took Jesus before a Roman governor and this man was called Pontius Pilate. So we saw Pilate do something strange there. What was he doing with that water? What was he doing by washing his hands? What was he trying to do? Yeah, he was trying to avoid taking any... He couldn't find any fault with Jesus. He couldn't find any fault with him. But the crowd kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So he took the bowl of water and in front of them and said, like, i wash my hands of this situation. He tried to absolve himself of any responsibility, even though he was ultimately responsible for sentencing Jesus to death on the cross. And Jesus was crucified between two criminals. And the fact he was crucified in the middle meant that he was supposed to have committed the worst crime. In fact, he committed no crime at all. And while suffering on the cross, he spoke some incredible words. What did he say? Anyone know? know Very good. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Imagine... The pain and the suffering and the agony he was going through, yet still being able to utter those (coughs) words to the people who put him on the cross. While the soldiers gambled for his clothes, while the people mocked him, he said, Father, Father God, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And the Roman guard who was standing there was so in awe of what Jesus did, he looked up and said, Surely this man must have been the Son of God. And then something else happened amazingly. What happened with that big curtain? It tore, didn't it? But it didn't just tear like an ordinary (coughs) curtain, it tore from the top to the bottom. This wasn't like a curtain in your house, it was a massive thick curtain in the temple. You wouldn't be able to tear it with your hands it was just too thick and too big. But it tore from the top, I think it was about 30 feet high, some extraordinary height, to the bottom. And it symbolised a new way being opened up into God's presence. Because the curtain separated one part of the temple that was allowable for ordinary people and one part that was only allowable for special people. And when that curtain parted and tore, it showed there's a new way into God's presence that was happening as Jesus was on the cross. Let's just watch that on the screens for a moment. Sometimes what we don't remember is that it's all the sin, the past sin, the present sin, The future sin. Everything was taken and placed upon Jesus on that day. He was literally buried under the sins of humanity. More and more and more coming onto him on the cross. Ultimately, he died, and he was buried in a tomb. And the disciples thought that was the end of the story. They thought Jesus had been overcome by evil. They thought the authorities had finally got their way and crucified him, and that was the end of Jesus. And you can imagine how heartbroken the disciples were. Justin was gone, now lying dead in a stone, cold tomb. But just a few short days later, something incredible happened. Everyone, the tomb is open. He's alive. That's no, not possible. I saw him. Mary, maybe it was someone else. You think i mad? Peter, see the tomb for yourself. Now do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? Now? He's back. I need a cup and some wine. What happened? His body. His blood. I am the way. The truth. And the life. This isn't real. Thomas. Stop doubting. It is you because you see me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen. When the Holy Spirit comes to you, you'll receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit can be with you all, whatever you are. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Peace be with you. Brothers, my sisters, we have work to do. Fantastic. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate the resurrected Jesus. Jesus appeared to over 500 different people. He, He came and he ate with them. He proved that he was real. He proved that he was resurrected. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And that's what we celebrate this Easter Sunday. The power of sin and death had been broken once and for all. And for all those who would receive him, he gives the promise of eternal life. He will raise them up at the last day. We're all invited to be part of the kingdom of God. We're all invited to receive that invitation those early disciples took from that moment when Jesus ascended into heaven. Peter's saying, we've got work to do. We've got an invitation to extend to all of humanity. Jesus came to stay, save us from that stain of sin that distorts our lives. He came us to free us from the power of sin so we could live freely and love and serve those around us. He came to get rid of that sin that distorts and spoils our relationships. And one one day, eventually, we'll be saved utterly from the presence of sin when he returns. And that's what Easter is all about. That's what we celebrate today, the wonderful story of the resurrected Jesus. Jesus brings new life and he's continuing to bring new life today. In the last video, you saw Peter there taking the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And Jesus said before he left, he said, Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, remember what I did for you on the cross. Remember that I'm coming again. And so as we take communion today, we celebrate the life of Jesus. We celebrate the power of the cross in our lives. And we celebrate, we serve a risen Jesus who's alive today by his spirit. And one day we will see him face to face. I think we're all struck by the portrayal of uh, Thomas in that video. There's a little bit of Thomas in all of us. You know, we, we want to be able to feel and touch and see. But as we said last week, we're in a time where Jesus invites us by faith to receive him. And he said, blessed are you who receive me yet don't yet You would receive Jesus by faith afresh into your heart. So, why don't we stand together? And you might want to pray this prayer this morning. If you come as a friend or a visitor, you don't really know what church is about or what Jesus is about. You might just want to say, Jesus, if you are real, if you are this person who did defy death, then I want to know you, I want to receive you. And you can pray that prayer, a simple prayer like that, that will be heard and honored by God. So, Lord Jesus, we recognize that we don't see you, yet you are the most real person who ever walked the earth, and you're real now, you're risen. And you've left us your spirit to testify as a deposit, God, of your life in us. And so, Lord, we receive you again by faith this morning, into our hearts. We welcome you, we open the door of our hearts and receive you afresh. And Lord, we just want to say, we, we receive the work of the cross. We believe in the risen Jesus. And God, let your life flow through us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.